Friends, our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read from chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. On the Sunday before Thanksgiving, it just, it just feels fitting to spend a little bit of time talking about gratitude. And if that's what we're going to talk about this morning, I don't know if there's a better passage in all of Scripture to set that ball on the tee for us as we try to get into this conversation. I mean, it's such a good story, isn't it? Our scripture picks up with Jesus on his way to Jerusalem when he encounters 10 people that have a skin disease. And it's pretty widely accepted that that skin disease that's being referenced there is is leprosy. They're lepers. And they go to Jesus because they know that he is the only person that can give them what they need the most, healing. I mean, it's clear, isn't it, that they have at least heard about what Jesus is capable of doing. And the fact that he is usually and almost always compassionate to people like them. And we read about lepers in scripture several, several times. Jesus heals lepers at several different instances. But I think it's important for us to remember just how horrible of a disease this actually was. I mean, it would cause fingers and toes to fall off. You would lose sensation all over your body and have big sores on on your skin. And the worst part about it, in my opinion, is that it could take nearly 30 years for it to run its course. And it's like like not only did you have terrible physical trauma associated with this skin disease, but you had emotional and spiritual pain with it as well. I mean, emotionally, when you came down with this, you had to be kicked out of your home and distanced from your family because it was believed that you were highly contagious. So all of a sudden, you found yourself on an island on the outskirts of society with really nowhere to call home. And then spiritually, they couldn't go to the temple because they were considered to be unclean. So, I mean, you can see it, right? I mean, you come down with this disease, you're not really sure where you got it, but you blink, and before you know it, you don't have a home anymore, and you don't have a way to be in relationship with God because you can't make your way into the temple where it was believed that God resided, that that was where you found the presence of the Lord. It was a disease that affected every single area of your life. And so clearly these people needed, they needed to be healed. So when you know all that, it's no surprise, right? 
They see Jesus walking by and they cry out to him. And notice it says they kept their distance, right? Because they've learned that, that typically people don't like to be too close to him. But they cry out to this Messiah that they see walking on the road, Lord, have mercy on us. Because again, they know that Jesus is the only person that can give them what they need the most. And Jesus simply says, I want you to go show yourself to the priest. Inferring, right, that by the time they get there, they will be healed and they will be clean. And the priest will let them back into the folds of society. And the way I imagine it is that as they make their way to the temple to find the priest, they realize that they're beginning to feel different. Suddenly they can feel the sensation coming back to their fingers and their toes. They're watching the, the sores all over their arms begin to, begin to clear up. And then their walking to the temple becomes a running to the temple because suddenly they can't get to the priest fast enough, right? And they're thinking about all of a sudden how they're going to be able to see their, see their families again and they're going to be able to embrace their children again and they're going to be able to sit around a meal and, and eat with the people they love the most for the first time in years and they're going to be able to be back in the temple and be in the present. They, they have their lives back. I mean, they're wrapping their minds around this all in one moment and I can't help but think that as they run to the temple, their minds are racing. And in the midst of that, one out of the 10, begins to slow down. And his nine friends realize that he's kind of fallen behind the pack, and so they stop and they go back and they say, what, what are you doing? Come on. I mean, we're so close, I mean, we can practically see that, we can see our freedom, right? I mean, we can see the temple. You're about to see your wife, you're about to hug your kids, you're about to be able to go before the altar for the first time in years. What, what are you doing? And I just imagine the one looks at the nine and says, do you realize what that guy just did for us? He healed us. He, he took our pain away. He gave us our lives back. He did for us what no one else has been able to do for us. I think we need to go back and thank him. You all go on, I'll be there in just a second, right? But I think I need to go back and, and, and thank Jesus for what he has just given me. And so he does. He turns around and begins to walk back towards Jesus. But I love the way the scriptures paint this moment. It says he is lifting his voice in praise. It almost seems like that he is traveling with the same sense of urgency back to Jesus as his friends are traveling to the temple. And he arrives at the feet of Jesus and he bows down and he just simply says, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done for me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for listening to my need. Thank you for hearing my cry. And then Jesus asks what feels like one of the most pointed questions in all of scripture. It's a deafening question to me. Were not 10 made clean? Where are the other nine? Where are they? And then he looks at the one and says, get up and go on your way for your faith has made you well. It seems to me that the way this story is told in scripture, we cannot miss the fact 
that nine out of 10 don't show gratitude. Nine out of 10 are made clean, but are not made well. Did you notice that? They make their way to the temple assuming that their sores are gonna be cleared and their, and their skin is gonna, be, is gonna be perfect and they're gonna be made clean and allowed back into the temple. But only one of them, Jesus says to them that you have been made well, that your faith has healed you. And it's the one that goes back. Nine out of the 10 receive a blessing from God and then they turn and walk the other way with no second thoughts. And here's what I realized this week. There are nine lepers that are excited about what they will get because they have been made clean. And there is one leper who is just thankful for what he has already received. The question for us this morning is how can we be like the one? How can we be a people who practice that kind of gratitude in a real and everyday sort of way? How can we make sure that we are the ones who are falling down at the feet of Jesus, thankful for what we have just already received? Because you know, as well as I know, that when we receive goodness, when we receive blessing in our life, and it is not followed by gratitude, it creates a disconnect. I mean, it creates a disconnect between us and our neighbor. It creates a disconnect between us and our community. And I think it creates a disconnect between us and God. And I think you have felt this before. I think you've seen it play out, even if it's in the smallest of ways. I was getting something at the pig earlier this week, and I watched somebody, again, like not a bad person, but it's just a sign of the disconnect that it can create. I watched somebody stare at their phone and text while a high schooler bagged their groceries. And you could tell just by the look in the eyes of the high schooler that they really wanted a thank you. And they didn't get it. And that's okay, right? I mean, again, it's not a bad person or anything, but I watched the disconnect grow. I'm guilty of this. I went to a doctor's appointment last week, and it was one of those situations where I'm on the elevator by myself and the doors are starting to close, and I see somebody wanting to catch it, and so I stick my arm out and it gets pinched, right? And they come in, and I ask them what floor they want to go to, and I punch the button for them, and I'm waiting for what? <laughs> I'm waiting on it. I mean, for good or for bad, right? I want my thank you. I could have lost my arm, right? I made the ultimate sacrifice. And I didn't get it. And I could feel the disconnect. I could feel it. You have felt this before. I think you know this to be true. And you would think that we would be good at this. At least I would. I mean, the, one of the first things that we teach our children when they are learning how to talk is to always say what? Please and thank you. I mean, me and Madison were talking this week about how if everybody said thank you the way our one and a half year old son Reed does, then the world would be a better place. And we know that's gonna change, right? We're fully aware of that, that that is going to change. But if we all said please and thank you the way that we were taught as children, then we wouldn't have this disconnect. I don't think that we, that we would. But again, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like the person texting and the person on the elevator, I don't actually think they're bad people. I mean, those aren't malicious actions. They just missed an opportunity to express 
gratitude. And it created a disconnect. It created distance. I mean, in a way, kind of like those nine lepers, right? I mean, we can feel the distance in the story because they are literally running away from Jesus, creating more and more distance between themselves and Christ, and the one is running towards him. But we experience the same thing in our daily lives. All that to say, I think we know that gratitude is important. I think we know that gratitude is powerful. But for some reason, we still struggle to practice it. And we add little by little to that disconnect each and every day. So this morning, instead of just talking about why gratitude is important, I wanted us to spend some time talking about how we can begin or how we can continue to live out our gratitude the way that we see the one leper live out his gratitude in in the text. And look, guys, this is going to be stuff that you already know, just to let the cat out of the bag here. But I think it's something that we all need to be reminded of, or at least I need to be reminded of. The first and the easiest way for us to capture the gratitude that leads us to a place of contentment and connectedness to God and to neighbor, I believe, is to pray is to be a people who are thanking God first. And Paul is someone who talks about this a lot in his letters to churches that he is caring for. In one of his letters to the Thessalonians, he says this, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And if you know anything at all about Paul's ministry, you know that that is what he did. He gave thanks in all circumstances, hungry and full, rich and poor, free and imprisoned. And I think Paul would say that it was at least in part that gratitude that sustained him during those circumstances. But this idea is all over the scriptures. The book of Psalms is one of the books that focuses us the most on being a people who are thankful to God. Psalms mentions the act of being thankful and specifically thanking God 36 times in 24 different psalms, which means that one out of every six psalms that we find in that book pointedly and directly calls us to be a people who are thanking God first. So this week, I think that is where we have to start, by simply being a people who are consistently thanking God first. And I think that's the first step for us to cultivate that habit of expressing gratitude. I mean, in a sense, that's how we lay the foundation for that practice in our life. Because the truth is that no matter who you are, no matter how good you feel like you are at this whole practice of gratitude thing, you can start doing this today. There is no excuse for you to not start doing this today whether it be in the morning, whether it be before bed, whether it be a gratitude journal that you write in every day, whether it just be a silent prayer between you and God. My hope is that we would be a people who are thanking God each and every day, a people who are sustained by our gratitude. But you know it doesn't stop there. Because just like it's important to share 
our gratitude with God for what he has done for us, I think it's also important for us to do that with one another. And I am confident that every single person in this room has someone in your life that you need to thank. I mean, maybe it's someone that you're going to see this week. Maybe it's somebody that you see every day. Maybe it's somebody that you haven't seen in a really, really long time. But I feel like that's a pretty safe assumption for me to make up here, that all of us have at least one person in our life that we need to express gratitude to. I mean, in essence, that's what the leper in our text for today does. Jesus does something for him, and he makes a point to turn around and go back and just say thank you. It is such a simple decision, and really it's such a simple practice, but it's one that Jesus calls a whole lot of attention to, isn't it? Your faith has healed you, he says. I mean, on top of that, we know today that the practice of expressing gratitude to one another has been proven scientifically to have a pretty profound impact on who we are and and especially our levels of happiness and contentedness. Because I looked this up because I was really curious about this. And I found an article done by Harvard's medical school that was published a few years ago on the power of sharing your gratitude with others. And the article cited a study that they did with 400 people conducted by a doctor. Dr. Martin Seligman, he sounds like an important guy. I don't know who he is, but we're gonna trust his research together. Is that fair? We're gonna trust that this this is true. And the aim of the study was to see what kind of impact different positive psychology techniques had on happiness and had on levels of contentedness with folks in their daily lives. And so every couple of weeks in the study, those 400 people would get an assignment. And while they completed the assignment, the researchers would measure their levels of happiness and their levels of contentedness throughout the week. One week, their assignment was to write and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to someone who they don't think had ever been properly thanked for their kindness. A really simple assignment, right? I mean, something that it almost seems like we would ask a child in elementary school to do for a writing assignment. And every single participant that week experienced a significant increase in their happiness scores. The impact was greater than any of the other techniques that they did in, in the study. And that increase lasted for over a month. I mean, is that not striking to y'all? that the simple practice of expressing gratitude to a neighbor caused a significant increase in someone's level of happiness and level of contentment that they experienced in, in their lives. That the gratitude was more powerful than anything else that they could think of to try. And again, I think we see this in our text for today. I mean, the one leper who runs back to the feet of Jesus to to express his gratitude for all that Christ has done for him. I mean, it's like he can hardly contain himself. I love the way the scripture paints that moment that he is bursting with praise and with happiness and with joy as he runs back to Jesus to hand deliver his gratitude. I can't help but wonder who God might be calling us to hand deliver 
gratitude to this week. But really, the one leper, I think, does more than just express his gratitude with with his words. I think in this moment, he expresses his gratitude with all that he has. I mean, he's, he's finally healed. He's reached the mountaintop that he's been hoping for, for for however long he's had this disease. And the first thing he does, the very first thing that he does is decide to live a life of gratitude. I mean, my hunch for us is that if we are a people who are intentional about praying our gratitude to God and saying our gratitude to others, then before we know it, we too will be a people who are living lives of gratitude. And who knows what that might look like for you in, in particular. Maybe it looks like helping out with all the cooking for Thanksgiving in a way that you haven't ever really done before because you're just so thankful to be back with family. Or maybe it looks like listening to a story that some uncle has told you over a dozen times that he tells you every single year But you don't mind listening like you've never heard it before because you're just so thankful to get a moment to reconnect. Or maybe it's talking to someone about your faith, about how your your relationship with Christ has seen you through something over this past year. And you just couldn't be more thankful. So much so that you just can't help but talk about it and tell your story to make sure that others know what is possible when they put their trust in Jesus. Living our gratitude could look like a million different things. I mean, to be honest, it will look like a million different things for each one of us. But I think that we as Christians, that we really ought to be the most grateful people on earth. I mean, if we really believe what we say we believe, then we should be bursting with gratitude. I mean, if if we really believe that God saw a world that was hurting, a world that was lost, a world that was disconnected from him, from his grace and from his promises, and that he sent himself that he sent his son to be born in a barn and to die for crimes that he didn't commit all for us? If we really believe that, if we believe that God is giving us that gift each and every day that we don't deserve, that we didn't earn, and that we get to receive it anyway, that gift of grace, then there is nothing that we should be more thankful for. And I think the best way to express our thanks to God and all that he has and all that he will continue to do for us is to live lives of gratitude. I mean, I think one of the best ways for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the news of this gift that we have received, is to live a life that is constantly in gratitude for it. To be a people who follow the example of the leper in the text. To live our lives in such a way that we are bursting with gratitude. Always aware, always, of what God has blessed us with. My hope for us, my hope for me, my hope for you, my hope for our church, is that we would be a people 
who are praying our gratitude to God, that would be our baseline, right? That would be us pouring the foundation for this practice to grow in our lives. That we would be a people who are willing to express gratitude to one another, to give thanks for when we see glimpses of Christ in our neighbor. So that, so that we can be a people who are living lives of gratitude. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, my name is Ross Furio. I am one of the pastors here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, and I am so glad that you joined us this week for our message. I want to remind you that if you ever want to join us in person for worship, we are here every Sunday morning. We have two worship services, both at 10 a.m. One is a modern worship service in the chapel. We call it the gathering. And the other is our traditional worship service in our main sanctuary. Again, both of those are at 10 every Sunday morning here on our campus. If you need us for any reason, I hope that you will jump on our website, www.bluffparkumc.org. You'll find ways to contact any of the pastors here on staff. We are here for you, here to walk with you through life in in any way that you might need support. We hope that you're going to have a great week, and hopefully we'll see you soon.